So, good morning, everyone. Um, it's nice to see more fellow Africans joining the service. Luckily, I've never lost my accent the last 20 years, so I hope that it won't happen to any of you. When... Now, why are we here? My, my service this morning is about following instructions. Can we read a map? And um, it's not always easy to follow a map. Um, how many of you these days just just Google SatNav or Google Maps and you press a button and there we go, and you just follow it? Yeah, so how many of you, I mean, I've got the first slide I've got is something that some of you might not even recognize anymore. Um, if we go to the next one, how many of you remember having a London A to Z? Uh, you walk through London and, okay, where's next? And you have to, then, then this page and then 10 pages later for that one. And, and touring Europe, when one of my biggest, not challenges, adventures, being married for three years, decided to go to a tour of Europe. So, Cindy with the book, map book, and I'm driving, and we decided we want to go there, random on the map, and find a camping spot, and we drive. So, we had to plan ahead, and that is a really good tester for any relationship. If you've got the map, and Europe, and you drive on the wrong side of the road, and it's the wrong language, and everything is just weird, and we're still married, so it worked. It was really <laughs> so. But we need to use maps all our lives. We need to know where we're going. And sometimes we don't plan as well as we could. Sometimes we just set off and I decide I want to go there and Google will tell me to get there. I didn't. Did I put petrol in the car? Did I make sure that the place is still available, the campsite still exists? What prep did we do before we just decided we're going? And I think we're getting in a, in a day of age where type a few buttons and we go and we just hope for the best because things will work out. And that's a, a mindset that can be very dangerous. Now, um, why am I thinking of maps? Why am I doing this? Last weekend, I had the privilege to um, do Duke of Edinburgh with 70-year-10 girls in 12 groups walking around Kent. They needed to read a map. So the idea was for them that um, they've got the 12 groups. So before it all started, about three, four weeks before, okay, get yourselves in groups of six or seven. First, supposedly easy task, not that easy. Then once they've got themselves in groups, okay, do you have the right equipment? Sleeping bag, rucksack, tent, food, correct footwear. You're going to be walking 16, 17 kilometers a day. What footwear are you having? All those type of things in the prep work beforehand. And then um, they have to plan their route. We have to say, okay, this is starting point. That's a campsite. How are you going to get there? You're not going to walk on the M25. You need to find different ways where it's crossing or underneath or stick to bridleways or stick to footpaths. Try to avoid main roads where you can. And then show your route map to the teacher. And then we have to say, okay, yes, that's right, but maybe that's a better option there or this is a better option there. Avoid this. So all those things is part of the planning. And that's what they do. And then on the day... They get their map, and they get a compass. 
and they have to use a map and a compass to follow the routes. So, but what's happening behind the scene in the meantime? So if we can get the next slide up, please. In the meantime, the teachers have to figure out, okay, on the left, there's that line going down. That is the route they're going to follow. The circles is all the checkpoints where teachers will be. And then like a teacher is on the first checkpoint, and then four checkpoints later again, and then at the end again. So basically um, making sure that once they pass Simon at the first checkpoint, and then he rushed to the next point and ticked them off, and we've got the WhatsApp group saying, okay, this group is here, this group is here, they're all fine, okay. All six groups are through, we can carry on. Nobody's lost yet. They've all followed the map. And if you go on the next slide, it's the Saturday route, so it looks very similar, but it is in the opposite direction with another six groups that didn't do it on the Friday, and then teachers have to go in different directions, and so all this is what we have to do in the background while they just follow the map. Now, if I go on the next slide, that is just the main route, suddenly the map is turned around. You'll be surprised how many people will get lost just because the map is turned around now. How are we using what we have available in our maps in life? How are we using something that suddenly, oh, I thought it's this way, now it's not landscape, it's portrait anymore, now I'm totally lost. Just because perspectives change, just because um, the orientation of what's happening changed. Now, all those checkpoints where the teachers were, why are we having the checkpoints? Firstly, to see that nobody's lost, because we don't have a teacher walking with them, they have to follow the map. They have to use their compass to get their direction on the map and then follow the map. Once they're at the checkpoint, all the teachers on a WhatsApp group, that you don't want to see all the messages. It's chaos. But then the teacher will say, yes, group so-and-so, through, all sorted. Next group. And then suddenly, this group is at this checkpoint. They didn't go to that checkpoint. How did they get to you before they got to me? And it's... It can become very complicated. But why do we have the checkpoints? Firstly, to see that they're lost. They can get water at the checkpoints, refill the water bottles. There's loads of reasons why the checkpoints are there. And now if, I, if we just quickly go through the next few slides, it's just admin slides to show, okay, so logistics. Start at the campsite. Val and Steve is on the coach. Then I'm meeting them at Linfield Chart, and then someone else is on the car with them. And if you go to the next slide, it's just all so recorded, communicate, and WhatsApp. Rob goes to that point. It, it is a lot of background stuff happening. And on the next slide, as in just Elsa do this and Simon do that. And then the last slide will be basically, okay, so that's the times the group starts. So that's the group names. They start at that times, and we're off. So it's, and they make up their own names. I'm not taking any responsibility for why their names are. That's, that's, we don't ask questions. But the whole point of this is, there's a lot that's happening behind the scenes for them to be able to follow the route. And if they follow the route, it's fine. Now, Thank you. You can put the first, the opening slide back on for me, please. All the admin is just, just to show you there's loads of things happening. Now, when we, as teachers, 
plan it out. We look at the risk assessments. We need to know who's allergic to what. Who's got maybe depression or other issues that might flare up on the road. Who's got a leg injury. So all those things we need to know in preparation for them to just have a nice journey. But when they're on the journey, they still need to read the map and use a compass. Otherwise, they won't be able to get to the checkpoints. Now, God has always been at work and will always be at work behind the scenes for us in our journey. A lot of times we don't even realize it. A lot of times we don't even know what he's doing behind the scenes. We don't see all that paperwork and all the stuff that he's doing so that our journey can be good. We just accept things to happen. From day one, from before we were born, he was planning your route, thinking how to bless us. What can we do to get the best from our human experience? He even gave his son so that we can survive our journey. He's done everything he could for us so that we can survive our journey, so that we can get the best in our journey. So, on the day, what's happening? They're all setting off. Got the times. Now, what happened last Friday? Six groups have to follow the route. I'm at checkpoint number four. So that's about two hours before they get there, two and a half hours. I'm also in charge of cooking for the staff and so and so on the Saturday morning, clean up. I've got loads of time before they get to my checkpoint. Next moment, my phone rings. There's nobody at the checkpoint. I say, okay, where are you? And I realize they're at my checkpoint, which is crossing a big road. So they, at least that group realized they're not allowed to cross the road without a teacher. They need the safety net. In, in case something happens. So they phoned me up. I said, okay, wait there. You should not be there yet because there's four checkpoints and not one of the other three checkpoints said that they were with them. So they missed all three of the other checkpoints. So I said, okay, wait, stay. I'm on my way. 15-minute drive, got there. Suddenly there's three groups waiting for me. Three groups missed three checkpoints. And the other teachers started to wonder, where are they? Should we go search for them? Should we wander the Kent countryside? Where are they? No, they where they should be, but not when they should be there. So at least the first group I had the decency to phone me and realize, okay, one of the instructions was don't cross a busy road without a teacher. So that one thing stuck. They missed all the 10 other thousand options that they should be doing, but at least that was important. So um, they can, sorry, I have water bottles, they fill up their water bottles, and Again, I, we don't let the groups walk together because everybody has to get their own experience, so we stagger them, so let the first group go, 10 minutes later the next group, 10 minutes later the next group. And I said to them, slow down. It's a long day. Don't try to get it finished as soon as possible. You will get lost again. I asked them to show me on the map where they went. They couldn't really tell me. Um, I showed them where they should have gone. They didn't realize the difference. It's about a two to three kilometer difference that they took a shortcut and missed all the checkpoints, walked down a busy road and not on country lanes and fields and so on. So, but yes. Then I said to them, now, from now on, stick to the route, please. Stick to the map for your own safety. Okay. So, set them off. Now, again, our Christian journey is the same. We've got the map, the Bible. We've got a brilliant map to show us what to do, where to go. And we've got the compass 
The Holy Spirit is permanently with us. He's not leaving us. Those students have the map and the compass with them the whole time. We've got the Bible as our root card. We've got the Holy Spirit as our compass to lead us in direction. When we teach him to at the crossroad or at the fork in the road, anything, get your map in the right orientation, pointing to north, get your compass sorted, then you know where you should be going. Follow the instructions. What do they do? Get to a point that look easier, I'm going that way. Why do I need a compass? Or map upside down and start walking backwards because my compass is that way, but the map was upside down. All those things happen. We've had people after an hour, then I was walking at the back, mopping up to make sure everybody's fine. After an hour, suddenly I hear the voices behind me, and they made a big loop and started back at the campsite. So, not following instructions. How many times in our Christian walks are we not following instructions? Now, the Bible is full of instructions. From the Garden of Eden, with don't eat of the fruit of the tree, or the apple or lemon or whatever you want the fruit was, we don't know. Or, I mean, the Ten Commandments. Or, I mean, Israelites, what they should be doing as they left Egypt. There's instructions and commands all the way through. And even today, having communion, one of the commands was communion, other one was baptizing. Things that we still do. So we're following the instructions. But that doesn't mean we're not going to sometimes miss checkpoints. That doesn't mean we're not going to sometimes veer off the path. And I'm going to read from Ephesians 4 verse 17, and that's basically instructions for Christian living. So it's a, a long piece, 17 to 32, but it's just a good summary of what, as Christians, our instructions is to follow the path. So, um, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so that so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you've learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance to the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed from the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. 
<laughs> lots of instructions, lots of things what you should and shouldn't do. And it's not always easy to follow those instructions. Sometimes you're on your root card and there's a junction in front of you. And there's someone that really annoys you. Someone you feel like... The Bible doesn't say like everyone, but it does say love everyone. If you love someone, you will react differently when you don't like them. Personally, at the moment, there's someone at my cricket club that I don't like very much. But the Bible says, I love him. So last night, what I said to him and what I thought was not the same things. But you have to act according to the instructions. I really want to say a few different things, but I know that's not, that's not our way. I will not set an example. I won't be Christ-like if I don't act like I'm loving him. Don't have to like everyone, but love everyone. That's a big difference. We have to love our neighbors. We have to stay on the path. But sometimes there are obstacles in the path, and we feel we can't go through. Those students took shortcuts. Maybe, as a pastor said, that ignorance, they know better. They're taking shortcuts. They're missing checkpoints. How many checkpoints are we missing? How many shortcuts are we taking in our daily lives where we could miss out on blessings? The route that they would have taken was through beautiful bluebell walks and really nice, lovely views, and they ended up on a road taking a shortcut, missing on blessings that they could have had. In our Christian lives, how many shortcuts are we taking? And you will still get to the end, but you won't be as blessed as you could have been by, taking, by sticking to the route. You won't not get to the end if you suddenly mess up. God is luckily he's gracious and he's loving and he's caring and he's with us. But you miss out on your own blessings that he has for you if you're taking the shortcuts. Now, after I set those students back on track, luckily they phoned me so they followed some instructions, got back on track. Next moment, I'm at the end waiting for them. The group that was third suddenly was first at the end. So they were 20 minutes behind the other groups. Two hours later, they ended up about 20 minutes before the other groups. After I said, slow down, relax, then the complaint started. I've got blisters on my feet. Okay, you've got the right shoes. Yes, you've got the right equipment. Well done. But did you tie the shoes properly? Or do you care more about the looks and it's all loose and fashionable? Or was it like proper walking boots tied up that they don't move around? Oh, no, we didn't do that. Okay, so you didn't follow instructions. Having the right equipment doesn't always mean you'll be successful. And then another thing, the same group, unfortunately the same group, you'll find a pattern here, that, um, sir, we got electrocuted. Okay. There was cows in the field and we couldn't get through. So we had to go through a different field and we got electrocuted as we climbed through electric fence. <laughs> I said, was that on your route? No. But the cows was in our way. I said, did the cows storm you? Did they bite you? What did the cows do to you? Nothing. We were just scared. I said, okay. Did you phone a teacher to come and help you? Did you, what did you do? No, we just climbed through the electric fence. There wasn't a warning, but... It was 4,000 volts. So it was a proper pulsating, luckily pulsating fence, otherwise it would be... So that didn't happen. 
But legally, it has to be pulsating fences that if you get a shock, that you don't get stuck like that. And now, all the planning in the world, over east that I walked that route, there was not an electric fence. Unfortunately for us, the farmer last week decided to move some cattle, so he put up an electric fence. So even with our planning, we didn't know about that. But the fence wasn't on their route. It was on the field next to it. So if they stuck to their route, they would have been fine. And they decided to take matters in their own hand and not follow the compass, not follow the map, not reading the Bible, not using the Holy Spirit as a compass, and got electrocuted, in their words. So how many times in our lives are we getting electrocuted? How many times in our lives is there a cow in the way and we're not willing to just wait a little bit of patience for the cow to move or just walk around the cow? Or There's so many ways of doing it properly, but no, we take things in our own hands and we climb through an electric fence and then we complain when we get shocked. We all know that. We've been down there. Something happens and, Lord, why did you allow that to happen? Or blame your friends. There's always someone you can blame. Always. Never me. I mean, I'm, I'm so holy, I can't do anything wrong. It must be someone else. And that's exactly what happened. They had a few cows in the way, and they couldn't cope with it. They were scared of the cows. How many things in our lives are we scared of? Maybe a new job we're starting. Maybe the financial crisis at the moment. Maybe there's so many things that can scare us. Are we taking things in our own hands and trying to climb through electric fences, or are we actually saying, Lord, show me the way. Help me to now just be patient, to wait and listen to you, and you will remove the cows so that I don't have to get electrocuted because I take things in my own hands. And I think that is, for us at the moment, extremely important because they had the right shoes, but they still got blisters. They didn't use what was available appropriately. Like David showed a few weeks ago for the youth how to do Bible study, make notes in the Bible. Are we using what we have appropriately so that we don't end up with blisters? Is our shoes really supporting us the way it should, or are we going to struggle afterwards? Can we read a map? Do we need someone to help us read a map? Is my map upside down? Do I know where north is on the compass? Am I tapped into the Holy Spirit to show me the direction? Do I have the Bible and the Spirit combined to lead the way? What are we doing in our daily lives? How are we preparing for our journeys? Are we using the checkpoints available? Some checkpoints we might not even know about. Sometimes a friend or a stranger is just asking you if you're okay. That could be a checkpoint that you could miss if you don't open up if you don't reach out. This morning could be a checkpoint. Having communion, staying afterwards for prayer if you need that. Are you using the checkpoints? Are you filling up your water bottle when you've got a chance? Or are you just thinking, no, I just want to finish my journey. I'm going to get to the end, then I can rest. The whole journey is the process. That's what we need. This is what we want. We don't want to just get, yes, getting to the end will be brilliant. But... The blessing is in the journey. God wants us to enjoy the journey. That's why he sent his son, so that we can be saved at the end of this journey. Now, it's complicated. 
Our journey is complicated. It will be full of cows. It will be full of electric fences. But are we taking shortcuts? Are we missing the blessings coming our way because we don't want to stick to the path? Because we don't want to walk that extra kilometer because this looks an easier route? Are we missing the nice bluebell walk to walk in a tar road and have to dodge some vehicles coming our way? What are we doing in our Christian lives that is taking away the blessings that the Lord has for us? Now, um, John 3 or John 13 says, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, by the love for one another. Are we showing that love? Now, the first slide was stop sometimes. If we can, just the first slide again, please. It says, I've got a signpost on there. Basically, sometimes we just have to stop. Be prepared to stop. In your journey, if you see the cows in front of you, if you see the electric fences, sometimes just stop. Slow down. Be still and know I am the Lord. That's what the Lord says to us. Be still and know. Slow down. Life is a rat race. But the week I've just had, I don't want to wish on to anybody. From a parents' evening till Monday, Monday night at 8 o'clock, Tuesday night I got home at quarter past 7, Wednesday I got home at quarter past 8, Thursday I got home at quarter past 9, and the weekend before was Friday and Saturday, Duke of Edinburgh away. So it's been a manic week. But we have to stop. Sometimes we have to realize, don't let all the busyness take us away from what's important. And I know the week is going to be chaos. I know that. We promise of inspections, and I get an inspection on Monday about OCR exam board coming to see all the physics practicals. So I know at 9.30, this inspector is coming up, and he's going to scrutinize all the work I've been doing the last two years. He's going to talk to students. He's going to look at the evidence and everything. So that's coming, but so what? It's just another part of the journey. It's in God's hands. I know I've done my bit, so I'm not scared. If the Ofsted also come on Monday, which they think is going to happen, so it's a double whammy for me, then so what? Things are in place. We're running extra year five sessions Tuesday and Thursday, which is not on my normal schedule. So what? God is in control. Don't let the busyness take away your focus of what's important. Because you will find someone that's more busy than you. And then you're going to think, oh, why am I complaining? There's always just be prepared to stop. If you're not sure where you are on the map, stop, get the compass, get the book out, and find your way. Know which way to go from there. This is a checkpoint. Your fellow Christians, your friends, do not underestimate the value of family. New people in our family this morning, this is brilliant. We are a family. And, yeah, we don't even like each other in the family. So what? So what? We love each other because we're family. Well, there's lots of people in my family that I don't want to introduce to anybody I know. But they're my family and I still love them. And that is, we are family. We're there for each other. And luckily for us, Jesus loves all of us, no matter what. 
God loves us because he sees us through Jesus' blood. He sees us as clean. He loves us because we are clean, because we love him. He just wants us to follow his root God. And I'm going to finish with the greatest command from Matthew 22. And this is basically, we are making life sometimes too difficult. We like to overcomplicate things. The students even bought me a mug because I always say to them in physics, don't overcomplicate it. Life is challenging enough. Why do we make it more challenging for us? Stick to the basics. And Matthew 22, verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love your Lord with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest command. And the second is, Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love. Love your God. Love yourself. Love your neighbor. If you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbors. You have to get to that point where, you know what? You're not too bad. There's hope for you. I like you. You have to, you have to love yourself. It doesn't matter what other people think of you. It matters what God thinks of you. And he loves you. And we are sometimes too hung up about what other people think of us. I just, my son said to me last night, he had three, I thought I was busy. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday had cricket games after school, and Friday had cricket practice. So for four days, when yesterday was just slept almost all day, he's tired. And, but he said, it was wicketkeeper, and he heard someone say, oh, he made a mistake, he's a bad wicketkeeper. And when he went batting, someone said, made a comment. So those negative comments... They can play in our minds. They can be there. They can be hard. They can be damaging. But that's not defining who you are. That's some idiot saying something that don't know what's happening in life. They probably can't do it better, so they blame someone else or whatever. You need to find value in who you are. And Jesus says, I love you. God says, you're good enough. And that's what's important. So as we go through this week, let's use our roadmaps. Let's use the compasses of the Holy Spirit. Let's make sure we stay on task, stay on track, and make sure that we don't miss out on the blessings that God wants to give us if we go off task.